Good morning. Let me wish you as well a uh, happy Mother's Day for even all of you out there in online land. I wish you a happy Mother's Day as well. My mom is listening to us right now, or, or she will be later this evening. Um, so I wish her a happy Mother's Day as well. Uh, great to have each and every one of you guys here. You know, it's so much fun to see these kids get dedicated um, and to make some connections. I was at a gathering, <clears throat> excuse me, this last um, Friday night, and there was a family that moved away, but they came back and we saw them. And they said, you know what we're going to get to do this next month? I said, I have no clue. They said, we're going to have our daughter open up that 10-year letter that was on the back of her plaque for her baby dedication. And I thought, wow, that they would remember that, even in a move that they had, um, to remember that that letter was there. And so that's so significant to see families like this up here doing that and dedicating. I think most of us remember how hectic that life stage was, though, as well, right? Um, and that's a, it's a very tough, difficult age, and that's why we dedicate those kids, and we pray for those families as well. Um, but then, you know, life is very difficult, right? Life is chaotic in many ways, and that's why we're talking about today rising above, uh, rising above the chaos. And so if you have a bulletin, in there should be this outline, and if you could pull that out, have that in front of you, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Because life does get kind of difficult with all the things that life brings our way. But my challenge to you is to continue to focus above. Not on the earthly things that we can keep our eyes on and we, un, we don't focus on God. But to look above all that, to rise above that, and to look above that to God. Keep your focus on Him. And one of the best ways that I know of doing that is, of course, to read God's Word because it allows us to focus on Him and His thoughts for us. But it's also to look back into some of the names that God calls himself. And there's an interesting thing that happens in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God refers to himself by a number of different names. There's dozens and dozens of them. And one of those names is what I want to talk about here today as we talk about rising above the chaos in life. You have it on your outline. The name there that I want you to recognize that God calls himself in the Old Testament is the name Adonai. In fact, would you say that word with me? Adonai, say it. Adonai. What that name means is master or lord. Master or lord. It can mean owner. It can mean king. <clears throat> but when it refers specifically to God, Adonai means, here's the second fill in there, Lord of lords. It, it, it's in the plural. And it's used over 300 times in scripture, meaning you're the God of everything over, over the earth, over nations, over everything that ever has or ever will exist. Uh, but the thing I like most about this name Adonai is not that it just implies God is Lord of Lords out there, but in here. For us personally, it means that. And I'll show you what that means and how that is translated in Scripture. Many times in Scripture, you will see a couple names for the word Lord, that they translate Lord in the English. And, and we miss some of these words and what they mean from the original Hebrew. So, the word Adonai is usually translated as Lord. L-O-R-D, and I think they're going to put that up there right now. There it is, L-O-R-D, that is a capital L, lowercase O-R-D. The name Jehovah or Yahweh is that kind of that big super name for God. That name is translated capital L, capital O, capital 
and capital D, all in uppercase uh, capital letters. You might say, why? I never really noticed that. Some in uppercase, some in lowercase. Let me show you how it works in Psalm 8.1. You have it on your outline or it's up here on the screen as well. There it says, O Lord, that's all capitalized, our Lord, just the first L capitalized, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Anytime you read that now in scripture, you can see that the all capitalized means Jehovah, Yahweh, more of the big super name for God. But anytime you see L-O-R-D in lowercase, that is this name we're talking about here today, Adonai. In fact, David says this in Psalm chapter uh, 16, verse 2. I say to the Lord, there's Jehovah, more the super um, God, Yahweh name. You are my Adonai, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. So he's not just saying you are Lord of Lords, but he's saying you are Lord of me personally. In fact, that is a great phrase to say out loud, Lord, you are my Lord. Would you say that with me? Let me say it again. Lord, you are my Lord. Repeat that after me. Lord, you are my Lord. Meaning, God, Yahweh, you are my master. You are my Lord. You are my owner. You are my king. And what that does is it cuts the chaos in life. It allows us to rise above that when we see that. Because that is a serenity statement. That is a statement that says, I don't have to do all this. I'm not in control of all this. Because most of the stress we feel, most of the chaos that I think that we feel in life, actually comes from not keeping this in order. That God, you are God. I am not. You are in control. I am not in control. Most of the chaos, most of the stress, most of the worries, most of the concerns come from not getting that. He is Lord and we are not. And that, that, that is a power statement, to be able to say, God, you are Lord, I am not, you are in char charge, Lord, you are my Lord. And let me go through now how that plays out over the things that we do in life. So if you have your um, uh, outlines, let's go. The first one is this, the chaos is cleared when I recognize God as Adonai over my plans, over my plans. In fact, great verse to remember out of Proverbs 16.1. It says, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the what? It's from the Lord. It's from Adonai. In fact, I love this next translation of it. This is out of the Good News Translation. Would you read this with me? Read the Good News Translation. It says, we may make our plans, but God has the last word. Oh, man, Yeah. If we would just get that one right, we make the plans, but oh God, you have got the last word. How many of you have ever um, made plans that didn't go quite as you expected? There we go. Yeah, yeah, we've all been there. Uh, my wife and I um, were on our honeymoon 21 years ago and um, enjoyed that time in Mexico, and it was kind of an interesting um, uh, honeymoon from the standpoint of we made plans to go scuba diving. And um, as we were making these plans to go scuba diving, we were ready for it. We were, come on, bring it on, let's go, we're ready. So we paid all our money up front first. Uh, wrong first thing to do, right? 
and then and then the van to come and take us out to the coastline, picked us up the next day, and literally the van was more than twice of our ages combined put together. That's how old that van was. S- smelled like bad Taco Bell. You ever, you, ever, you ever had that? Okay, bad Taco Bell. That van, it comes by, swoops us up, pick us up. We're going through town. You know those vans that got the sliding doors off the side? That door completely fell off as we were going through town. Just boop, off the side of the road. I said, uh, should we do something about that? They said, oh, yeah, backed the car up, simply picked it up, said, could you move over a little bit? I moved over. They threw the door into the van, and we just kept on going. Got into the middle of the city. Don't know a lot of Spanish, but I know enough that that car was threatened by some authorities to be impounded with us in the car to be impounded. Little money exchanges hands from uh, the the drivers of the car to the police. We finally get to go. And as we're going, they have to get some gas. So they pull into a gas station and uh, quickly realize they're putting more oil into the car than they're putting gasoline into the car. And if you've ever driven a car like that at some point in your lives, not a good situation. So we drive out of town about 10 miles, and then we realize the guy forgot to put the oil cap back on the engine, and so now oil is spewing all over the place, pull off again to the side of the road, uh, hood open, oil is all over the top, all over, dripping all over the place. Finally get that kind of under control as well. We start to go, and the car just dies. They say, uh, would you guys mind helping push? There we are in Mexico, pushing the van up the hill. We got it up to the top of the hill. We would run and we would jump in so that it would glide down the next hill and we would start to go. Fiasco, chaotic, crazy. This is all before we even um, uh, got to go scuba diving. And as we finally made it there, we actually had to turn that van back around. Well, no, we actually jumped on a bus and we got back into town on that one. They said, come back tomorrow. We'll try it again. I said, with a different van? They said, yes, different van. So we made it back out there the next day. We get into the water and we submerge ourselves and all we hear is, they said, no problemo, gringo, no problemo. It said, just a small little air leak. We said, we would like one with no air leak, please. I mean, it was was an adventure that we still talk about today. And you know what the guy's name was who took us on the trip? The guy's name was Nacho. (laughs) This is even before Nacho Libre came out. And so we developed kind of this thought, never take a trip with a man named after a chip. That that is just kind of the, the, the lesson that we learned in that. We had great plans. It was going to be so much fun. No fun at all. In fact, we look at it back now. It's more fun now as we look back at it. It wasn't about our plans. We might make plans. You know, we just had a team come back from Haiti. They texted me last night. They said they're in uh, Miami. They're ready to fly to, to Sacramento today. Um, and I was just thinking about, you know, I bet there were times when their plans did not go through because it is, it is, it is a line that I use on every mission trip that we have around here. Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. And with your plans as well, you've got to expect the unexpected. If you don't, you're going to be hitting your head up against the wall trying to get your plans to go through. So what do we do? Do we just not make any plans? No, that's not what I'm trying to say here. 
our plans need to be tentative plans that we make because we know God trumps it all. God, trump, God trumps Trump, even with Trump's plans, right? God, God trumps it all. And we just have to get in that kind of a mindset or else we'll be frustrated. In fact, there's probably not a lot of us here in this room who um, chose one career going through high school or college and we're still in that career. Uh, plans change. Many of you probably would acknowledge that, yeah, the first person I thought I was going to marry, I didn't end up marrying. God had someone different for me. P plans change. Even David, in the book of 2 Samuel, we see David is preparing to build the temple for God. I mean, what a noble thing to do, right? He's ready. They, 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 they raise the money, the funds. He's ready. He's wanting to build the temple. And God says, David, you're not the person to do it. I have that planned for someone else. God said, you're not the one. And so David could either fight against that, or as it says here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 20, he says, what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, my Adonai. You, you know my heart, but I know you, and this is not what you're wanting me to do. And so my encouragement to you today in this area is whatever it may be, yes, you make plans, but know that they are tentative plans. And don't force or don't push the issue with God. Maybe it's marriage, and you're ready, and you're trying to bring that about. Maybe you're rushing out ahead of God's plan for that timing of marriage. Maybe it's something else in life. Maybe it's a certain job that you desire, and you think it should be yours, and you chase after it, but maybe you're getting out ahead of God. Remember, God trumps all of our plans. The turn of the century back 1800s and 1900s, maybe even earlier than that, there was an interesting phrase that was often written at the bottom of a letter. It actually wasn't a phrase, it was initials. And, and some of you may have done this. I've seen this on some of my grandparents' writings. But there are uh, two letters that people would write down at the end of a letter. They are the letters D period, V period. And what those letters stood for was Deo Valente, which means God willing. So writing all the letters that they would write, at the end they would put the DV, which is a reminder to say, God willing. If God would like this to come to pass, acknowledging, Lord, you are my Lord, even with the plans that I have put down before me. Lord, you are my Lord. In fact, would you say that with me? Say it. Lord, you are my Lord. So over your plans, he's an Adonai. He's your God. He's your master. He's your Lord. Let me give you a second thing that he um, is also Adonai over, and that is my fears. He is Lord over each and every one of my fears. You know, there, there's a lot to be afraid of today. If we, if we let it, relationships with Russia seem to be kind of uh, precarious uh, we certainly know that with North Korea, as Senator John McCain says, with that, what, that crazy fat kid over there. Um, he says, well, what am I supposed to say? Skinny kid? I, I mean, he's just calling it like he sees it, right? And, and, and we know that precarious kind of thing going on with world relations. Many of us can remember the feelings, the emotions we had when 9-11 happened. And the terrorism 
um, that is even in the world today. Some of you were alive when JFK was assassinated as our president. And you know the chaos that can ensue from that. What's interesting is Scripture has some of those same thoughts and feelings that took place in their day. In fact, the people of Israel had that kind of panic. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, you can see it on the outline. There's an interesting verse that says this. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now what's interesting is King Uzziah dies... He's no longer king. He had ruled for 52 years. Chaos could ensue. But Isaiah says, in the year that he dies, I looked beyond that leader and I looked to the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I saw Adonai. I saw the Lord, the king, the master, that master who gives me that kind of peace. I didn't let the world events, I didn't let the death of a leader throw me off. I looked to God. The name Reinhold Niebuhr might not um, uh, be known by many people, but he was a gentleman, great theologian, who wrote what is commonly called the Serenity Prayer. And many of you might have heard the serenity prayer. In fact, many of you probably have heard just the first few lines of the serenity prayer. Let me put it up here on the screen. That serenity prayer reads like this. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. How many of you have ever heard that, that prayer? Okay, yeah, yeah. Did you know that's just the beginning of that prayer? Our culture has kind of edited out the rest of it. Our culture has chosen not to have the whole entire prayer on many, you know, plaques or sayings or things that you might come across. Here's the rest of the prayer in its entirety. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as a pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Now what's interesting about that is that even if you go and look that up online, you will see where people have edited out the names Jesus and have not had him in that as well, or even God and taken him out. But the original prayer was by a Christian man who said, God, this is how I get through life. This is how I get through the chaos in life. This is how I find my serenity in my life. You know, it's not that much different than what Paul wrote. In Romans 8, 28, we studied about the life of Paul last week, but I didn't bring up this verse. Remember what Paul writes here? He says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for, what's the word? For what? For good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And what that is saying is not that all things that happen to us are good. It's saying all things that happen to us, God is and will continue to work them out for our good. God uses our problems for a greater purpose in life. He looks past, if we can do this as well, to look past the pain that we go through and to see the purpose that God is working out. 
That's where I'm sure Reinhold Niebuhr took that prayer from. That is so popular in our culture. And yet has now Jesus and God kind of edited out of it. In fact, last week as I um, finished my message, I had a gal come up and talk to me. And she said, you know, um, I learned a great saying when I was younger. It was taught to me by my mom. She said this. She says, uh, here's what my mom would say. She says, it will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. I thought that's great wisdom. Let me say that again. It'll be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. God's still working. God's still dictating. God's still working behind the scenes. God is still in control. God is still taking my fears, and he's working them out. And the more we can say, Lord, you are my Lord, the more we can say, God, even in the midst of whatever I'm going through, I trust that you are Lord over this, the more peace and serenity we will find in that. So let me give you the third point that I wrote down there. And that is that chaos is cleared when I recognize that God is Adonai over my future, over my future. You know, when you talk about future, I'm not sure what kind of thoughts come to mind for you, but I know that some people are just frozen um, because of their future, not thinking about the future, because they feel like their past will keep them from a great future. Uh, you know, I look at the person of Moses in Scripture as being a prime example of this. Remember Moses in Exodus chapter 10, when he goes before the burning bush, and the Lord speaks to him and says, uh, Moses, I want you to go and bring my people out of Egypt. Moses, I will be with you. Moses, I have chosen you. Moses, you can do this. Moses, you can handle this. Moses, do you have any questions whatsoever? And Moses basically says, uh, yeah, can you choose someone else? I, that's not for me. In fact, in so many words, he said, you know, I stutter, I can't speak real well. And he had to, in his mind, also be feeling, I don't have great confidence anymore because I got a past. God, have you seen that past? God, I was a murderer. I killed someone. God, here's the ex-con. You're not going to want to use the ex-con, really, for this, for me? And what Moses does, listen to this, he has the gall to call God Adonai without giving God the position of Adonai. Watch what it says here. Down at the bottom. But Moses said, Oh my Lord, that's Adonai, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Lord, you, I know your master. Lord, I know your king. But right now, over me, with this situation... think how often we do that. Hey, we're here in church. We're all fired up. We're ready to go. God, we can do anything. We're calling you master. We're calling you king. We walk right out those doors, and all of a sudden, some things start coming our way, be it a family member, be it a situation at work, whatever it may be, and we start backpedaling. God, okay, I got to take care of this one now. I'm going to have to handle this, and you're not here now. You were there in church, but you're not there now. No, it's every place that we go. That God wants us and says to us, I am your Adonai, I am here for you. See, what he forgot to realize is that when God asks you to do something, he also empowers you to do whatever that is. So he empowers you uh, in your job. 
empowers students, if you've got finals, for the finals that you are going through. He empowers these parents to raise these kids in the ways of the Lord. As much as the culture is trying to pound that, pound it out on them, those kids will be raised in godly ways. In fact, I was just talking to Jody here a second ago. Miranda, who was singing right here, she'll lead us in the next worship song. Uh, 21 years ago today, she was dedicated as a, uh, as a one-year-old or... or as a five-month-old, she was on this stage, dedicated, and now she leads us in worship. Back in 2007, um, I had the privilege of baptizing Miranda in our pool. And uh, boy, you look at that and you say, yes, when you bring those kids in, when you pray for them, when you raise them the ways of the Lord, when you teach them God's word, good things can happen. God can invest. God can be involved, and God can make that difference. That's what it's about. Look at this verse out of Ephesians chapter 3. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think, according to the power that is at work in us. God is working in you. And you may not see it, but whatever the situation you are struggling with or going through, or it feels like there's a lot of chaos in the middle of it, we can see, God, you're working in this. And what's ironic about claiming that God is, is Lord over the situation, we might feel like that's burdensome for us, but it really is a very freeing up experience to say, God, you got it. I surrender this to you now. I am rising above the chaos that's down here because, God, you got this. It's yours. And so that's the question that I ask you on the back page. The question is this. Who is your master? Who is your Lord? Who is your owner? Who is your king? Sunday school answer. Church answer. Oh, God is. Yeah, put it down. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Who's your master? Who's your king? When you leave this place, when you make decisions tonight, when you wake up on Monday morning, when you are out on Friday nights, who's your master? Who's your king then? Five words. The five-word prayer that David prayed. Lord, you are my Lord. That's what out of my mouth. And, and, and beautiful imagery here. You know, being Mother's Day, I, I found this verse out of Isaiah 66. It's reading through the book of Isaiah and seeing what Isaiah said um, when King Uzziah died. Look at what it says here in verse uh, 13 of chapter 66. As a mother confronts her child so, uh, excuse me, a mother should confront her child, but, but this one's a little different. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Isn't that great imagery? The Lord's saying, even as a mother, as I place that into a mother, as a mother will bring her child and gather her child and comfort her child, so I, God says, will comfort my people. You know, being that this is Mother's Day, I wanted to end the um, message just a little differently. There's a great book that uh, my wife and I used to read to our kids. Some of you may have read this before or read it to your kids. It's the book called Love You Forever. And so we talk about the love of a mother. I thought, you know, this, this book really speaks. And so let me read it to you, if you don't mind. Love You Forever. It says a mother held her new baby, and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
And while she held him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Well, that baby grew. And he grew, and he grew, and he grew. He grew until he was almost two years old, and he ran all around the house. He pulled all the books off the shelves, pulled all the food out of the refrigerator. He took his mother's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. But at nighttime, when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Well, the little boy grew. And he grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was nine years old. And he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when his grandma visited, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. But at nighttime, when he was asleep, the mother quietly opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed. And if he was really asleep, she picked up that nine-year-old boy and she rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Well, the boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends and he wore strange clothes and he listened to strange music. Sometimes the mother felt like she was in a zoo. But at nighttime, when the teenager was asleep, the mother opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked up that great big boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. That teenager grew, and he grew, and he grew, and he grew. He grew until he was a grown-up man. And he left home and got a house across town. But sometimes, on dark nights, the mother got into her car and drove across town. And if all the lights in her son's house were out, <laughs> she opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of his bed. And if that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up, rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Well, that mother, she got older. She got older and older and older, and one day she called up her son and said, you better come see me because I'm very old and sick. So her son came to see her, and when he came to the door, she tried to sing the song. She sang, I'll love you forever. 
I'll like you for always. But she couldn't finish because she was too old and sick. The son went to his mother and he picked her up and he rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he sang this song, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy, you'll be. And when the son came home that night, he stood for a long time at the top of his stairs. Then he went into his room where his very new baby daughter was sleeping. And he picked her up in his arms and very slowly rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while he rocked her, he sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. You know, I I couldn't help but thinking this week that that is exactly how God... Whoa, we got a lot of tears flowing here. All right, all right. That is exactly how God um, views us. As a mother, it says of Isaiah, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And with whatever you are going through this week, whatever chaos has wrecked your life, my prayer is that you will look above that chaos and know that you have a Lord, know that you have a God, know that you have Adonai who is right there waiting for you to say, Lord, you're my Lord. I don't want to get caught down here. I want to rise above to where you want me to be so that I may bless you. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word that teaches us how much you do love us. Thank you for that love that is so available to each and every one of us. God, as we think about that on Mother's Day, we think about the comfort that you have, the love that you have placed in a mom to love her children in such such wonderful ways that, um, Lord, goes beyond circumstances of life. It's such a deep love. God, it just so scratches the surface of that incredible love you have for us. Folks, if you're here today and you didn't realize how much God loves you. You didn't even realize that he could love and comfort like a mom would comfort. Yes, that's our God. Yes, just. Yes, he will come back and his wrath will be poured out upon this earth and this land for those who don't know Christ and don't experience his love and say yes through faith. But, but it's also a love that is here and it's available for us today. It's a love where God says, I'm comforting, I'm loving, I'm guiding, I'm directing, I'm your master, I'm your Lord. Let me help you over your future, over your fears, over your plans. And so, God, we submit to that today. Lord, we say thank you for the moms you place placed into our lives. And Lord, I especially pray for those who maybe didn't have a mom in their lives. Lord, this day might be a little tough, maybe a difficult one. Maybe they didn't have a godly mother in their lives that represented what you would, your love would be for us. And yet, Lord, I know that you have stepped into that place. I know that you have comforted us, even as your word says, as a mother's heart would comfort. 
And so, Lord, my prayers are for those who experience that, but, Lord, we can rise above that. We can look towards you and know that you are the one who loves us so incredibly much. Revealed as Father God in Scripture, but, oh, Lord, you love with the heart of a mom. You love us greatly. We love you. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you have come for us, that you revealed yourself through your son, Jesus, God. And that when we have him, when we've said yes to faith, in Jesus Christ, when we said yes, that you will be our master and Lord, God, that Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Even as Jesus lived, died for us, rose again, left his Holy Spirit for us to operate in. God, thank you that that love surrounds us even now. For we do love you, and we thank you for what that means. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.